New York Jets podcast. It is Thursday, August 17th. We are inching closer and closer to the regular season. Lots to go over today. We've got a new running back in the mix, one returning. We're going to talk about some other position groups as well, too, that we've seen through the preseason, one Jets drive and hard knocks. Before we get to all of that, before I bring Teddy in, make sure to follow us on Twitter at NYJ underscore chasing 69. That is the same at as our YouTube channel. By the way, Teddy, I don't think I'm ever going to call it X. Um, I just I'm going to keep calling it Twitter because it's Twitter and it it never should not be Twitter. 100% on that. So follow us on Twitter there. Teddy is at Teddy Huncho. I'm at Spring Blake with four A's in there. Um, Theodore, we just spent a a fun weekend together uh, celebrating our good friend Sage Brown uh, and his his wedding uh, on Saturday. Um, I'm up here in New York. You can see if you're watching on YouTube, I've got a nice little lake life sign behind here. I was trying to pick where at the, uh, the lake house I wanted to record this from. And there's a ton of corny signs here, but this one just seemed fitting. So, uh, lake life, enjoying yeah, the week off one. up here, got the, got the corny, uh, signs here as well too. enjoying myself. So I hope audio wise sounds all good. I don't have my microphone here, but, um, we are, we are keeping things moving. Teddy, how are you doing? Has your body recovered since the wedding? Because mine took a couple of days. Yeah, doing well. Body's okay. The mind is definitely where it always takes me a couple of days, you know, getting back to Brain work fog. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. You feel a little, you feel a little tired, but no, it was awesome weekend. Shout out Sage, shout out Sarah, you know, and, uh, and yeah, and then it came right into just like, it felt like back into, into the real world and then back into the Jets. I, we say it every week, but like this, this like summer of content, as everyone's been calling it, you know, like, Yesterday, on Tuesday, when we're recording this, I watched um, I watched One Jets Drive. I watched the Hard Knocks, and I and I rewatched the game all within like you know a six hour span. So it was very much just like wow, like I am just getting inundated with Jets. So that was really cool. Um, just getting super amped for the season. And I need to make sure that my computer is charging. So give me one. That's good. That's a very important thing to do. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, we, we missed the preseason game live. I know you went back and watched as well, too. I got to see sort of the, the clips and highlights of it. We both watched Hard Knocks last night. Um, big time. Like you said, like you said, the summer of content, we've got a lot going on. And of course, uh, there's no shortage or no stoppage of news as well, too, because the first and biggest thing that we need to get into as well, too, is Dalvin Cook officially signed with the New York Jets to be their, uh, I guess, part of the one-two punch coming with Brees Hall, who was activated off the PUP as well, too, and will be returning and ramping himself up in practice. But we're going to start here with Dalvin Cook. Uh, one-year deal worth up to $8.6 million with the incentives. It's a high number, sure. Um, we saw recently Ezekiel Elliott signed for just a little bit less, maybe like a half hour before Dalvin Cook signed with the Jets. It was reported that uh, the Patriots had offered more money to Dalvin Cook to come in there, and he's chose that he wanted to be with a contender with a winning team and chose the New York Jets, which you haven't been able to say over the last two decades. So pretty pretty good feeling there if you're if you're New York fans there. Um, now the the numbers of it, people are always going to be mad about where you're allocating your money, and if you go through the chart of the last fifteen years. The starting running back salary for a Super Bowl champion is like $2 million or less in each uh, each Super Bowl. And people seem to have this conflicting thing. But at the same time, the Jets are sitting here signing him in the middle of August. It's not like this was a free agent signing that took away from all the players they could have gotten in March or April or even July. Uh, Dalvin Cook is here in August when the roster has already been finalized. So 
you know, take me through getting it, the deal finally done and your thoughts on the numbers that go along with it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it I'm psyched about the pick or the, the, the signing, you know, it, it's Davin cook. Who's a, who's still a great player. You know, he's obviously not the same guy he was maybe three, four years ago, as we know about running backs, but he still had burst last year. He still had that high end speed that everyone talks about, you know, he's still going to be able to in this kind of West coast offense, like, hit the holes dynamically and, and get downfield. So I'm really psyched about it, especially when you throw in that we're going to be working Brees back um, over the, the first couple of weeks. The money side of it is really interesting to me because it's one of those situations where the past, you know, three, four years, we have been hit over the head with like, do not pay running backs, do not pay running backs. There's no reason to pay running backs. And I definitely think that's fair. Um, you, you look at the ability to get guys on rookie deals or get guys as free agents who are able to succeed, you know, for one to two years, um, where I think this is different is, you know, the jets just got their star quarterback, hall of fame quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, to take a $35 million pay cut specifically. So they could continue to sign players and really improve this team as a super bowl contender. And I think that when you look at teams who are Super Bowl contenders, these are the type of moves they make when they want to go all in for one year. You know, so is seven million too much to pay a running back? Sure. Yes. In a vacuum, I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you there. But it's seven million that potentially could have been being spent elsewhere anyway. We have open specifically to make moves like this. And there's absolutely no question that he's going to help this team. You know, over the past couple of weeks, I've been saying, you know, I'm, I'm kind of okay with Michael Carter and Dam and Izzy just being a committee while Brees works his way back, you know, however long that may take him. Putting a guy like Dalvin Cook in to really solidify that room and give Brees that opportunity to, hey, you know, work back slowly and then we're going to have two of the best running backs in the league. I mean, it's a no-brainer that this will help the Jets. And to me, the money's a non-issue because of the way that it was handled with the pay cut and, you know, being all in for this year. And it's only a one-year deal. So it's not like we're going to be, you know, carrying cap or anything like that. So I'm very psyched. And I think that the money's a non-issue. Yeah, especially because it's incentive-laden. Like, if it gets to that 8.6, there are certain thresholds that Dell. Well, I do believe the... The guaranteed is seven, though, correct? Yes, full yeah. value up to eight point six. Yeah, correct. so seven yes, million yes. at least out there. But like, which you is were a saying, high number? Fair. Sure. For but you're still talking about someone who's young and who's had great seasons in Minnesota. It's not like he's just like this guy that's been unproven and you're putting him out there. Um, so I, you know, at seven million, yeah, sure, it's not great for a guy you're bringing in in August. But this isn't even to just compare situations. This isn't Ezekiel Elliott where there's been you know like a steady decline over a couple of seasons there where you've seen him kind of become more of a reserve running back. Like Dalvin cook still has some juice left in him. Obviously he's rehabbing an injury from last season as well, too. Um, he does have a potential of a suspension. The jets don't seem too worried about that through some domestic um, investigations that have been ongoing this summer, but considering everything there, he's going to be a huge help to this offense. He's going to help ease Brees hall back into eventually where in the second half of the season, you can see him switch into the Batman and Dalvin Cook take on that Robin role, but you've got a star, you know, Pro Bowl caliber running back as your Batman to start the season to help aid the balance of this offense. We're going to talk about the offensive line in a bit, and that seems to be where people people are trying to get mad of like, well, we could have used this money on the offensive line. Who's out there right now that you're going to roll out $7 million to? 
You're not throwing it to Taylor Lewan, who, you know, hasn't been able to stay healthy for the last few years. Love Taylor Lewan, but you're not giving him that money there. There are going to be some guys that get cut over the next few weeks, um, you know, as, as cap casualties. You know, one name that I would keep an eye on in Cincinnati right now, Lyle Collins. It, it didn't have the best year last year, but he was brought in as a high-paying money, former Dallas Cowboy. If he gets cut, maybe you look to bring a guy in like that. You know, we, we're still not happy with the overall depth of his offensive line, but even then, you're not trying to fight with, free agent priorities at the end of August and being like, we need to give this offensive lineman $7 million to come in here and play for the New York jets. Um, especially if they're maybe looking at even a reserve role at that point. So I don't get the upset, you know, the anger, the frustration. I know people are, you know, really slamming the table on running backs don't matter. And, you know, I'm a, uh, I, I do believe that running backs don't matter a ton, but if there's one out there and it's not going to hurt any of your future beyond 2023, and it's also just something that, you know, like you said, the quarterback taking a $35 million pay cut or however much he got away from that contract, this is what he did that to do. And now you're doing something that the quarterback wants. You're making this team better and you're making a, you know, you're just continuing the efforts to keep improving this team and improving this offense. Um, so I love the signing. I think he's going to be a huge help. The tricky part becomes now who gets left out. They're not carrying five running backs on the depth chart. You're going to have Brees Hall there who, you know, for a while I was suspecting might be just placed on the PUP or a short-term IR. So that way you could keep four guys and bring back Brees in like week five or six. Um, but he's going to be out there as well too. Robert Sala says he expects him to be playing week one. So you're going to have him and Dalvin Cook there. And then you've got three guys left. You've got Zonovan Knight, you've got Michael Carter, and you've got Israel Abaniconda, uh, the, the former uh, fifth-round pick this past year, correct? Yes, sir. Fifth round. So you've got these th those three guys there. You would assume Izzy is safe because you typically aren't drafting a guy, and then, you know, even though it's a day three pick, you're not drafting a guy and then just completely cutting bait before you get to see him in any live action. Um, Izzy has been carrying the workload in these preseason games, you know, against the Browns, nine carries for 27 yards. Uh, this past Saturday, 12 carries for 56 yards. He ripped off a nice 26-yard run there as well, too. Um, and then, you know, <laughs> as far as the other guys go, you know, Michael Carter has been around for a couple of years now, former third-round pick out of North Carolina, I believe fourth-round pick, um, excuse me. Had a good, you know, rookie season. Um, took off 639 yards, four touchdowns there. The role dipped back this past season to about 402 yards as more of a reserve role. But then he also came out when Brees got injured. Bam Knight really, you know, started four games, appeared in seven, had 300 yards last year, um, averaged about 3.5 yards in attempt. Michael Carter over his career is still around four, even though the number was 3.5 last season. So you're assuming one of these guys is not going to be on the team next year. Is there any preference that you lean toward, Teddy? Where do you think the Jets end up going um, as far as, you know, this running back room settles out? Yeah, it's, it's definitely a really interesting conversation, especially as attached that we all get as fans, you know, like we've seen Michael Carter be good. We've seen Zonovan Knight be good, you know, so it's not like easy to just say, okay, this is the guy that's going to go. Um, I mean, for me, obviously I agree, like Abanaconda is not going anywhere. You're not going to draft the guy to cut him. So when you look at the other two guys, I think Zonovan is the odd man out, unfortunately, for him. We've talked about this before. Um, Zonovan Knight came out last year, and in whatever game that was, had like 130 yards or whatever and two touchdowns, and he was awesome. And that, that's awesome for him, and it was exciting. And then 
I think he had an okay next game, but he really then fizzled out. Like it, it, we got to the point in last season where, you know, we were hoping, oh my God, we might just have Zonovan Knight who's able to kind of carry this like first and second down load and really help us run while we don't have that good of a passing game. That didn't happen. You know, he wasn't able to do that. And obviously there's concerns about, you know, the, our passing game last year, teams are stacking the box, box against us, but they were doing that same thing against Michael Carter too. So, you know, both these guys didn't really look great. Michael Carter dealt with an injury. Um, but to me, Michael Carter, we've seen be productive and we've seen be good on a football field more than we have Bam Knight, who, in my opinion, really only had a game and a half. You know, when I say that, I think he's a talented kid and I think he's looked okay through the preseason. But in this situation, like Michael Carter was a day two pick who's been productive over longer stretches as opposed to Zonovan, who, you know, has only really had that one flash in the pan. And you throw in the fact, you know, Brees Hall and um, Dalvin Cook are both, you know, pass catching backs, which is awesome. But at the same time, they're really getting that heavy workload, you know, on first and second down, running the ball between the tackles. So it, when you put in your change of pace guy, like that is Michael Carter, you know, like he is built to be able to, you know, kind of be that scat back, but also for his size has really big, like really strong power and his ability to break tackles and things like that. So I think it just makes too much sense. Like you're not going to cut bait with that guy who provides something more different than Bam Knight does. And I think Michael Carter is just more talented. So unfortunately, I think Bam Knight will be the odd man out here. I agree. I think it'll be Bam. Michael Carter, of course, like you said, they, they invested a higher, you know, round pick in him. Um, he, that rookie season, uh, I've said this last week, I've said it to you a bunch as well too. Michael Carter graded out as one of the more elusive backs in all of football. Now he took a big step back this past season and, and really the offense as a whole definitely took some steps back and, uh, and, and I don't mean steps back as in they were, you know, amazing his rookie season. But, you know, as we all know, that Jets offense really, really lost a, a few steps as the year went on. So, you know, Michael Carter hopefully has something left in the tank as an RB3. Not a really not a bad option there as well, too. Um, if you're going to keep Izzy around as well, um, it, it's it's a talented room. It's a it's not a bad problem to have when you've got a lot of talented players at one position. But somebody is going to be the fallout for that, you know. It's it's funny, you know, we, we like to talk about Joe Douglas being like the master of trades and he'll always get the best value out of guys. I would love to see him be able to execute a trade here for Zonovan Knight, but when you're in this market with running backs where there's no value and you've got guys that are free agents that have been former Pro Bowls here in the middle of August, I don't necessarily feel like there's going to be a uh, a high desire or a high trade market there for Bam. Um, maybe it's one of those situations where they announce they're going to waive him. And then, you know, kind of like with the Denzel Mims situation, they're able to flip like a seventh round pick for him at the end of the day, maybe. But at the same time, I don't even think there's going to be that kind of demand for a guy like Bam Knight. Of course, teams need running backs, and um, but they do grow on trees. So I I'm with you. Zonovan's probably the odd man out here. And uh, we'll never forget that that game and a half that he had there because he, he really had me buying it. And I think I started him in a in a fantasy league for a championship game. I still won the title, but he he sucked in the final two weeks yeah. of that season for me. It just like blew it. But um, I'll, I'll never forget that that game and a half, two game stretch that he had. That, that was a that was a good time to be, uh, you know, riding the Bam Knight train. Yeah, definitely. And, 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 you know, 
it would be awesome if Joe Douglas could make magic happen. He's known to do that, but I'm totally with you. Like these, these running backs, especially when you're an undrafted free agent, like it's just hard to convince a team that they can't just go find that elsewhere, you know, and Denzel Mims probably had that value to be traded as a seventh round pick simply because he was a second round pick. You know what right, I mean? Like exactly. that name that maybe the jets missed and just really mishandled him and we can get something, you know, and those yep. lines over there with a couple injuries today to Jameson and Amon Ra, maybe Denzel Mims will get some opportunity. Coming I know, up. but prove all the right haters up. wrong. By the way, while we're talking about guys traded away, like, we probably – I know we've talked about it a few times. Elijah Moore is going to be so good for the Cleveland Browns. He's going to be so good for the Cleveland Browns. You think so? I definitely do. Yeah, I I, I thought Elijah Moore was good for us, honestly. I, I, I really think last year was like an odd year. Um, yeah. It, it was, you know, and, and, you know, I struggled to buy in because I'm known for – liking Jets players and then them turning out to be bad. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be fine if he's good. He's going to be great. Um, anyway, so moving on. So anything else with the running backs before we switch topics here? Anything with the room or Dalvin? I'm excited to have him. It'll be fun to see all of the the snippets and hard knocks next uh, next Tuesday night when they put that out. Um, great addition to the room. And for a team that is 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 not waiting around to find better ways to better this roster, it's a, it's a great addition for the team. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think a good way to kind of set the table here, um, adding Dalvin Cook, you know, we add this like elite talent and um, the Jets have all these players that, you know, their name values are high, you know, and you and, and they that it happened in hard knocks when when the Jets were having the joint practice with the Panthers. One of the guys, he says to them, he's like, he's like, on paper, you guys are great, you know, and. and it's one of those things where where we really are at that point. Um, also in Hard Knocks, though, was was one of the down moments that got a lot of news, which oh, was yeah. during, um, I think it started, it was after the Hall of Fame game, am I correct? Or was it after the joint practice? Where Joint practice. Where Okay, so after the joint practice with the um, Panthers, um, where basically, you know, Aaron Rodgers is running for his life the entire day because the offensive line is just not able, you know, to protect him and to play against that Panthers D line in practice. Um, and, you know, Salah kind of went off on these guys. And his point was, he said, you know, we can have, uh, do you, if you have the quote, I got the full quote here. So yeah, yeah go hit it. The general consensus is nothing we have on offense matters if the big boys don't make a change. The full quote, offense, it was our first fucking opportunity to change the stink that's been on this organization for a very long time on the offensive side of the ball. You can have a Hall of Fame quarterback. You can have two 10 million plus receivers. You can have a reigning offensive rookie of the year. You can have all kinds of skill in the running back room, which it was before the Dalvin Cook edition, still pertains to the Dalvin Cook edition. He finishes it off. With none of it fucking matters until the big boys up front change who the fuck we are. We as coaches, we as an organization can't want it more than you. That's damning. I love that from Robert Sala. Like, I absolutely love that. I mean, first of all, to address, to address, to to say, hey, this is how people think of the Jets. No matter what you we've done, no matter what has happened in hit Robert Salah's tenure, 
people still believe the Jets have a mediocre offense and they're never going to be any better than that. And to like address that to the team, I love, you know, and then to not sugarcoat the fact, not say, hey, we all need to be better to say, hey, we got a lot of talent in this room that's been looking very good. But the engine that's going to drive this offense and this team is the offensive line. And all those, you know, you think about what is the scenario where this doesn't work out for the Jets this year? You know, how could that possibly happen with all this talent we have? The way it happens is an underperforming offensive line. You know, that is how it happens. Where Aaron Rodgers is on the run, isn't able to fucking, you know, stand there and make throws that he needs to make. Um, so I love it from Robert Sala to call out the problem and get after these guys. Obviously, it's not the most, um, like, whatever the word is, it, it doesn't make you feel good about the team that that the offensive line is having these type of issues. You know, to me, I think one of the big problems is it feels like we kind of have this revolving door, you know, it, it feels like guys are getting injured, guys are coming in. Um, we're still missing Dwayne Brown, you know, Makai Becton's still working back. So, so there's all these kind of holes on this offensive line. I mean, when you look at this line, what do you think and where are you kind of drawn to, I guess? I mean, even to echo what you were just saying about the tackles, I mean, even in today's joint practice, the day that we're recording this Wednesday, August 16th, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker dealing with an injury. Lakin Tomlinson wasn't there as well, too, with, I believe, an ankle issue. So you're talking about four of the projected starters, and we're throwing Makai in there because if the goal is to put the five most talented players out there, Makai is part of that. So you're talking about four of the starting five not being there. Um, and in practice today specifically, to continue on from what we saw against the the Panthers um, and, and, and more in the joint practices. In the preseason, they did a good job, um, but more so in the joint practices and then the joint practices today with the Bucs, um, it, it, it has not been good. And it's going to be a yeah. focal point of next week's Hard Knocks as well, too. Go right ahead. I just want to provide some context here. So where this conversation really stemmed from, you know, as we kind of got into, but the joint practice with the Panthers was very much, you know, the the Panthers defense beat our offense most of the day. And our defense actually played very well and beat their offense. But the, the focal point of the practice was on our offense and our offensive line. Surprisingly, we come out in the preseason game against the Panthers that Saturday. And to me, you know, we were dominant in that aspect of the game. You know, we were able to run on them all day. You know, you didn't really need a ton from the quarterbacks, even though they had pretty good numbers. But it was mostly just, you know, run the ball, run the ball, screen passes. Their D-line was just not good enough. And our offensive line actually was able to play pretty well. You know, and Brian Burns wasn't playing, who's the great edge rusher um, for the Panthers. Obviously, not all the starters are playing. But so it was kind of like, OK, this actually looked pretty, pretty good. Then at today's practice with the Bucks, all of the news, you know, is basically about everything how poor the offensive line performed um but you know you look at who that starting lineup was and i had it here a second ago i lost i don't know if you know it but it, it was max mitchell um joe tipman at guard Connor mcgovern at center wes schweitzer um at left guard and then i believe billy turner um, yeah as left tackle so definitely not mcgovern and tipman both you know, could be on that line and we'll see what happens with the tackles, but we don't really expect anyone other than McGovern or Tidman to be out there starting. So to me, that does, it's like, man, it stinks that we got beat so bad today, but 
that won't be our best effort going forward. But at the same time, you know, we know how offensive lines work and everyone is going to need to be relied upon. And you need to have weeks of repetition. You need weeks of consistency as an offensive line. And I think that's yes. where the biggest concern comes to me. It's not the joint practices of Wes Schweitzer and, and Billy Turner and Max Mitchell sucking. It's the fact that Aaron Rodgers is going to want, and I think he even said this post-practice today, he's going to want a week <clears throat> with his starting offensive line in front of him. And we have yet to get anywhere close to that. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, that we're going to have a Makai conversation again for the 20th time. This yeah, I was just about Sorry, to but say, it's going to happen. It's, it's a part of the conversation. But, you know, is Dwayne Brown going to be ready week one? We hope so. Uh, Lakin and AVT. Now, I want to say this with their injuries. They sound very minor. And I believe that Sala and the training staff is looking at this offensive line and realizing how much of a weak point is. And it's saying, if if you are not 110%, we're not going to put you in these practices. Yep. Especially for more experienced guys where AVT, we know at his top level, is an elite talent. Lakin, although not a great season last year, has had good years in San Francisco before. So I think those two are more of like a, we're fine if you're not out there in these practices. Um, it gives more reps for our guys behind you. And also we make sure that you're ready for week one. But the tackles and, and really the center competition, we'll also talk Titman in a little bit, is going to get there as well too. Those are the three where it's like Rodgers is going to want some action there where he can go into week one saying, I have spent time with five offensive linemen that are going to be protecting me for, you know, four quarters. Um, and, and we haven't even sniffed close to that. And, you know, Teddy, if, if this sounds like a good time to, to, to bring in Makai Becton, um, there were some pretty, pretty big quotes from Sala today as well, too. Um, the biggest one that I've got here, um, courtesy of Connor Hughes, that's got me there um, talking about Makai needing to show the jets that he can play a full game and be available before the jets can give him first team reps. They don't believe that it's fair to the others if they aren't sure he can make it through a game. And that is why he has not been getting first team reps up to this point. He did say Becton uh, gets right tackle reps in a walkthrough so he can play both sides and plan to get him some work, live work in at right tackle as soon as well, too. Salah says that he thinks Makai is on board with playing right tackle. We saw Makai in the preseason game. It looked good again. Rogers, we had the nice moment in Hard Knocks where he pulls Makai aside and is like, let's get together for lunch this week. Let's have a conversation. So there, there seems to be some stuff trending in the right direction, but there still seems to be some holdup that is uh, avoiding him from, you know, really putting himself in the marks of the starting offensive line. Yeah, clearly, you know, him proving to the coaches that, you know, he's not going to be held back by his own injury is paramount here for Makai Becton to end up succeeding. Um, yeah. I, again, like just going back over the past couple of days or week, you know, Makai Becton in the first preseason game, which we talked about last week comes out after seven games says it's the turf or after seven plays says it's the turf doesn't want to play, you know, and Blake and I really got into that discussion of like, what is really happening with this team? You know, is Makai Becton going to end up, just being traded, you know, at the end of this, at the end of this camp, or is he going to be able to, you know, be relied upon by these coaches? Um, then you move into this week, you know, I think what we saw from him in this Panthers game was most certainly a positive, you know, he didn't start as Salah said, but he came in, you know, sometime around the end of the first quarter played basically, you know, through the third quarter. So he played a full game. Um, or a full half, excuse me. 
So to me, that's a positive. And then it, like Blake just said, in hard knocks, they showed us a little, you know, at the end of the game, he comes up, gives Aaron Rodgers a hug, Aaron hugs him back and, and says, you know, let's get together for lunch sometime this week. Let's talk. Um, and then it comes out, you know, that, that, that Robert Sala continues to say, listen, we need to trust that this guy's going to be able to play a full game before we can start him. Um, so, you know, that, that tension between Makai and Robert Sala is most certainly still there. And I think he still has a lot to prove for sure. But to me, all of this to me very much seems like the perfect storm. And it's like, this is us trying to have Makai be our week one starter. Like that's how I'm kind of viewing what the Jets hope from this. Um, and, and I guess it seeing him be able to play a, a half and he says that he wanted to stay in and didn't want to come out of that preseason game, you know, but what you have to realize is, you know, playing three quarters straight in your first preseason game isn't enough to prove to these coaches that you're going to be able to play. Um, but to me, you know, if he's able to be healthy, you look at this offensive line, you look at the worries we have at the tackle position at the, you know, at, across the whole line, having a healthy Makai Becton out there would be the best, most ideal thing for this team. You know, he would provide the most talent. He would be the best player at that position. But the question is, you know, can he be reliable? Can he be healthy? You know, to me, I think we need to just continue seeing what happens over this preseason. If he's able to, you know, go out, continue to play and play and play and be fine, eventually maybe get a start, then you'll see it work out for him. But if he has a setback, if he has anything where it's, hey, I got to come out, you know, then I think the end will be close. They're in, Sal is in such a, and Douglas as well too, the two of them are in such a tough predicament because we have seen almost through the entire tenure, if there is a distraction in this locker room or a player that isn't fully invested, the Jets do what they can to ship them out. First, it was Jamal Adams. It was Elijah Moore. There have been a numerous amount of names where it's like, if you're not happy to be here as a member of the New York Jets, and we're not all on this common goal, they have shipped them out of there. Makai now is in this situation where he has been a headache for years and years, but the Jets are in this predicament where they don't really have any better options to, to, you know, to replace him with. You know, with Elijah Moore shipped out, they went and added in in the offseason an Alan Lazard, a Mecole Hardman, um, these other guys that you bring in, a Randall Cobb. You know, with the Jamal Adams, it was more of a positional, and you get in the draft picks, and then you can go and turn it. That was like a no-brainer deal. But they have shown their willingness. Like, we are putting guys in this organization that are all focused on one common goal here, and Makai has not really shown that. And I And this is where we keep going back and forth because, to me, when I hear Robert Salas say two weeks ago, he's fine, he needs to trust himself, and then him still saying, like, we need to see that he can play a full game. Like, he is telling us that Makai is not giving enough to the Jets. See, the, I really – this, this is where I think the context is, 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 is so important. I, I, like, to me, when you, when you see everything Makai has done, you know, from the outsider's perspective, you know, obviously last year comes in – I think Makai lost a lot of trust last year. But I don't think that that continues into now. I think Makai is committed to being the best football player for the New York Jets right now. And I think you see that with his, you know, weight loss, with the work he's putting in. I think right now it's about building trust. I don't think it is about 
Makai continues to not seem to be in with the team. I think that is a misconception that's not true. Um, and then, you there's, know, you look at the, but the there's no quotes point, from Robert Teddy. Sala. The biggest thing for Makai is to show he can play a full game, right, without being spelled out and take a break. So it's unfair for the team to prepare a guy to start if you're not sure if he can make it through a game. He's moving in the right direction. Like, to me, after what we just saw with him being able to play a half and not want to come out when it was his time to come out, that is that first step in saying, this is me showing you. So then if it happens again and again in two more preseason games, I think that is the test for them to buy in and rely on him. But I don't think there's some, I don't think Makai is just like, I'm not in on this. I want to do my own thing. I want to get paid. I want to pull, like, I, I, I do not think that is how Makai acts. And I don't think that's the relationship. I, I just – I don't see the point then at this point to be setting your offense back this late into the preseason by not having him work with the ones. How can you have a guy – how can you have him work with the ones if he's yet to be healthy? Like – like like You can have him work – it's reps. It's practice reps. You, you can be frustrated in the fact he's... that he – you can be frustrated that he is not re- – like the Jets say, hey, you're ready, and he's coming back from it, and that's fine. But to me, like – they're not going to try like this is where it's like we're kind of both right like you're right in the fact like we are not going to trust you until you prove it to us so until then you're back but with that being said I think that he has the opportunity to tr- like like you're basically saying no matter what's going to happen Makai's not going to be the starter you know they're not going to buy into that whereas that's I the kind best of case think scenario. that's what they want to happen of course, that's what you want to happen because he's one of the top five best linemen. But I don't see what the point is at this point in the season where you've got guys where practice, you are not getting a, a synced up offense here for the second week in a row simply because you don't have talent on the offensive line. If you've got a guy that's talented there, but he's practicing with Zach Wilson, you're not doing the best effort forward for your first team offense right now. You are putting everybody else at a disadvantage by not having him run those reps. First and the second team reps, you want this time now. When the Colts, and I, I hate to bring them into comparison because I see this, but when the Colts announced Anthony Richardson as QB1 now, it's so that he can get the next three weeks with all of the first-team offense. So when they go out there week one against Jacksonville, he's been working with those guys for a month. Now you've got Makai. He's been working with, with, with Zach Wilson. He hasn't been protecting your right. He hasn't been working with the offensive linemen on that first team. So to me, it's like you're doing a disservice as the coaching staff if you don't have – the most talented five out there. So to me, when I hear Robert Salas say he's fine and he needs to prove us this, that's me just being like, when I interpret that, I'm saying like he has not proven or earned the right to be on the starting offensive line. So to me, why can't that be attributed to you haven't played in two and a half seasons. You came in overweight last year and now you're playing at a completely new weight that you haven't been in your entire career. Like because those they don't have three, time to things around. to me, but sure. But, but I don't, you and I both agree that at this point, you can't really trust Makai Becton to be a starter until he proves it. I think that Robert Sala operates that way. And, you know, sure. You don't have time to mess around, but it, you know, Dwayne Brown hasn't practiced yet. You know, like we don't He's know, on, yeah. like there's all these other things that have also not been ready, you know? So like to me, that door is still open, in my opinion, for, for sure. And I'm definitely rooting for it because the alternative with Max Mitchell or whatever, I don't think will be as talented. 
not good. I, I think I need think to wipe right my camera. Now, so to all you YouTube I know, people, get ready say, to see my is, shirt. It is I don't know why pleasant. that happens. It just came out of nowhere. I just completely lost focus of you there. I, I just I love think talking about Makai and getting fuzzy. The best, the best case scenario, I totally agree, is that he is the the team starting right tackle next year, but or this upcoming season. But everything that they've been showing you through this entire practice, I feel like I still believe he's not going to be on the team by the start of the season. I think he's going to get Yeah, traded. that's where, like, this last week completely, for me, completely confirmed he will be. So I guess we'll see. But we'll have to see. this past just, week, everything I saw, I think that Makai Becton will work his way to be a week one starter. You know, if he gets injured, I think his career is over. But if he does not get injured, I think he'll be a week one starter with Aaron Rodgers. I just I I think right now that the the Jets are preparing themselves for this. This is not a season where you're like in development. This isn't like last year where it's like let's take the step forward. This is all hands on deck. We need to be practicing and preaching what a Super Bowl championship culture team is going to be exhibiting. And to me. I just think they're going to put Billy Turner at right tackle. Is it going to be great? No, but is it going to be, you know, as high end? We, we still have seen even as Connor Rogers said with, with his quote, he thinks Makai Becton is on board with playing right tackle. What if he's not? Yeah, that's weird. He's got to be on board or else he's an idiot. But, but that's what I'm saying. That the, these, co- these quotes and these comments from Salah, like he's telling us that Makai is being difficult. Yeah. Like, this is just like, this is months now of him saying stuff where he's like, it goes back to like May where it was like, he needs to earn his right on the starting offensive line. And we've seen him just say it again and again, that he still hasn't earned that right. He still hasn't earned that right. This team needs Makai as his starting tackle, but he hasn't earned it. To me, that's saying like, they're trying to get the value out. They're trying to show that he can give it. So then they can ship him out. Like, I just, I think it's going to be Billy Turner at right tackle, Dwayne Brown, hopefully healthy at left. I don't know if you saw this pop up today as well, too. Um, Outkick had this and take it with a grain of salt. But, you know, as they've talked about, you know, Rogers had the quote of like, you never know who's going to be available at the trade deadline. There was one guy that reported that, uh, that David Bakhtiari had had conversations with Aaron Rodgers. And there's a whole, that's a, that's a tricky. I'm happy you brought this up for. actually. I, I wanted to talk about this. I, I don't know who the guy is. His name is, uh, let me pull. Yeah, it name. was some random dude. Armando Selguero. He is, he is a, 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 member of the media he works for outkick but he was taking a look and he said that aaron Rodgers, you know to get the full story behind it Rodgers has privately mentioned bakhtiari as a possible jets addition to the organization um and he has also talked to bakhtiari himself per a source he's green bay starting left tackle he's under contract for this season and next 19 million dead cap for the packers if they trade him they've already given up all this dead cap moving aaron so it's like it's not the easiest thing in the world but that pops up you know that they're still dealing with all these problems on the offensive line. Rodgers cleared up the 35 mil. I don't know. Yeah. What do you think about it? I There was rumors when the Rodgers trade rumors were starting that Bakhtiari would be like included in the deal. So I think that, you know, saying that Rodgers has thought and or had discussions with Bakhtiari, you know, about it I don't think that's far-fetched at all you know I mean he he had it with Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard and all these other Packer people you know um I think that would be like like I'm totally with you that like our offensive line is not in a good spot and like we can't trust really any like the fact Dwayne Brown still hasn't practiced like that stresses me out you know Lakin and Elijah Vera Tucker like sure 
maybe Robert Sala is being smart with them, which is fine. But it's like, I want, as you said, you know, like I want to see these guys all play together and practice together, you know, and I still think we need to figure out Tipman has been getting bigger and bigger, like, or better and better. Like, is he going to earn the starting role or is he not? You know, so there's still all these question marks. And I think, you know, we're three weeks away. So they'll, they will really start to get nailed down over the next couple of weeks. But um, anything that we can do to shore up this line, you know, as we said earlier, like it's not like there's a ton of um, free agents out there that we can go that are great linemen. So if there's a way to get a trade done for Doc, David Bakhtiari, it's like I'm obviously in on it. How real is the rumor? How real is it actually happening? You know, like, I, I don't know. My guess is as good as anyone's. But, yeah, I'd be on board, obviously, you know, to add a great player of to course. the Jets. <laughs> of course. Especially in this time at a position that is maybe a little bit more of a desperate need, um, albeit we do understand Dalvin Cook provides a huge amount of value while Brees Hall gets back to full strength. Um, yeah. You know, I was looking – the Dwayne Brown update, you know, uh, as of a week ago, they they – Hope he's ready for week one. They expected him back in practice. Of course, he did have some offseason uh, surgery on his shoulder. He's a 15-year NFL veteran. Um, so, you know, it, it's going to take some time. But, you know, to me, best case scenario for week one. Um, and I'm, I'm, I bookmarked this tweet um, from Michael Nania. He is the co-owner of X Factor uh, for the Jets. Big guy on Jets Twitter. Um, I'm sure everybody listening here is already very familiar with him. And he was talking about, like, if, if the best case scenario is putting your best five offensive linemen out there right now with guys that are active on the roster, um, you know, assuming Dwayne Brown, you know, you could slide him in at left tackle there. The other four positions were really interesting to me because what he had put out there was Tomlinson at left guard, which, you know, you assume he's coming back at some point. You've got McGovern at center, Tittman at right guard. He played guard in college for a little bit, played right guard for a few snaps, um, and he's been taking guard reps as well too. And then AVT at right tackle, which – you know, ABT, we've put him all over the offensive line. Sure, he's one of the premier guards in football when he's there, but we also know he's damn good. He can play all five positions, honestly. So when you take a look at that, and maybe it's Becton at left tackle. Maybe if Dwayne Brown isn't ready, maybe you swap, slide Makai to left and just say, hey, go prove it until Dwayne is back, and then we'll flip things around. Like, what do you think about that combination there? Because Tittman, and this is more of a Tittman conversation, he's been getting a lot of steam as we get closer to the season. He's been working more with Aaron Rodgers one-on-one. Seems like he's been gaining a ton of steam. So, you know, what are your thoughts on that version of the offensive line? And what any buzz with Tittman gets you really excited? No, yeah, I, that honestly, like, seems like a very best case scenario. Like, maybe not best case scenario, but Five that best seems guys. like an awesome, right. Um, I mean, like, like this uh, center battle is definitely really interesting because, to me, like McGovern is a veteran who's fine, you know, like he's not the best center in the league, but he's not the worst center in the league. And he's a veteran, you know, which I think everyone has been saying. And I think it makes a lot of sense. Like that is a big deal to a quarterback who's been in the league for 40 years, you know, to have a veteran who knows what he's doing back there. Um, but at the same time, Tipman, the news from Tipman has only been positive and positive, you know, like. He moved his way up to get second team reps pretty quickly. And then he's looked good in the games and, you know, he's continuing to get reps and what he was our second round pick. Correct. So it's like, you hope if you're saying we need our five best guys out there, I don't think it's far fetched to say that we 
Connor McGovern is potentially better than, you know, Billy Turner and, and uh, excuse me, not or Wes Schweitzer and, you know, whoever else we have is our depth guards. Um, so putting him at center and then Tipman working his way in would be that perfect scenario. And like, with all the question marks that we have at tackle this season with Dwayne Brown on pup with Makai Becton, with, you know, unproven guys like Billy Turner and Max Mitchell, like I trust ABT to play right tackle. You know, he did it last year. He did it well. He's proven he can play all over the line. He's proven he can be an elite player. You know, is it the best for him in his career? And like, do I want him to just be seen as like, I am a pro bowl guard? Yeah, sure. But for the jets, I'm totally comfortable with him playing left tackle. So if that ends, you know, if we don't have the trust in Makai uh, to be able to be healthy and trust himself and get on the field, like, and Max Mitchell continues to not look great, that lineup of, you know, Dwayne Brown, Lakin Tomlinson, Connor McGovern, Joe Tipman, and Elijah Vera Tucker at tackle, that sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, it- the, we've had a lot of conversations here with the offensive line. We'll continue to put through the rest of the preseason. The main point being is whatever it is, they need to figure it the fuck out soon. We're less than a month away. You know, that game's coming September 11th. And uh, everything that we've yeah. seen up to this point, outside of like a couple of series in the, in the Panthers game where you're right, they're not going up against starters. And it's a lot of, you know, what can you really take from preseason outside of guys just trying to and really it's also get not feet. our starters. I think that is exactly like, like we yeah, really, exactly. we're just going twos to against blind, you know, for, and, and again, like I keep thinking about like, you know, being a Jets fan and how many times I've gotten hyped, but how this is not like any of those times we have so much talent, but you know, like, as I said before, the way that this doesn't work out is an underperforming offense line, you know, so it's, we got to figure it out quickly. It will be another huge topic of conversation next week, especially after given how today's practice went on August 16th. I mean, they just, I, it was every notification I got was buck sack, buck sack. <laughs> Wes Schweitzer yeah. and, and Max Mitchell just looked at each other confused. Like I, I've just, everything that I saw was just so negative with the offense and for an aging quarterback who was trying to work things in with a new organization, like the offensive line, you know, it, obviously having elite weapons is always super helpful, but when you're a team and that's ushering in a new offense and a new quarterback, like you need the big fuckers up front to do their job. And, and yeah, this group you, so far hasn't been able to do so. If you look at Super Bowl winners, you know, it's not always that they had the best running back. It's not always that they had the best receivers. It's not always that they had the best quarterback, even though a lot of times it is, but like that team always has like a top five offensive line. It always seems like it ends Eagles. up that way. Chiefs, you know, and they're Fox, able to do, right Patriots, like these these elite Ravens, offensive lines Steelers. get it done. You know, um, all of them. So yeah, it's important. I think that they're like that's what's so annoying about this Jet situation is I think that the talent can all be there for them to have a good starting line, but in no world has it started to come together yet, which is very worrisome. Definitely. Uh, any other any other things that we missed out on with the offensive line? Let's move on to the good stuff. The yeah, let's let's end on a positive note. Let's end with the defensive line. Um, you know, a big focus of Hard Knocks, you know, we got some big Q images of him just destroying practice, destroying the Panthers buck practice. Um, we got a huge story on Will McDonald there, Jermaine Johnson looking strong. Uh, the, the report that they didn't touch on that I wish they would have um, in Hard Knocks was 
the Panthers offensive line coach had to hold like a meeting after practice with the offensive line of just like, Hey, can you guys sharpen the fuck up? Like these guys are just destroying us. Um, it was a huge week for the defense, the defensive line specifically, um, you know, and if you want to carry it over to the preseason game, you know, we could talk big Q, uh, but really I want to really hone in on Will McDonald and Jermaine Johnson. Um, yep. You know, this yep. is an unofficial count, but just most numbers seem that McDonald had five pass rush wins on just 11 reps. Four of those resulted in a pressure, uh, including a sack, a hit, and two hurries. Um, Carolina netted negative five yards on those plays there. Uh, Johnson played nine pass rush snaps and had two pressures, one great sack, and another hit on, uh, I believe it was Bryce Young as well, too. Um, and then he had a stuff on two of his three snaps against the run. So when we looked at how great the Jets' defense was last year, you know, they had, you know, such a deep defensive line. Quinn and Williams emerged as this all-pro type player, one of the best defensive tackles in football. Linebackers were great. The corner duos were awesome. Yeah, we can talk about the safeties another day. We don't need to talk about them right now. The one thing that was, like, really missing from just being like, okay, we're fucking awesome to holy shit, this is elite, is a top-tier pass rusher. These young guys, whether it's Jermaine or Will or potentially both, they are really coming on strong these last few weeks. And this added element to the Jets' defense could get really fucking scary for opposing offensive lines yeah. and opposing offenses. Take me through how exciting it's been seeing these guys emerge, what you think about both of them. Does one stand out more to you than the other? And just, like, what is your excitement with these young edge rushers? Because we wanted it to be Carl Lawson, and it still could be. He's a very good edge rusher. Um, but these two young names drafted, invested high picks into them, really seem to be coming into their own this summer. Yeah, I, I think it's been really awesome to watch. And like we've, we talked so much this offseason about how this defensive line can be one of the best in the league. Um, and you get, you know, in hard knocks, you get Ulbrich telling the, the Panthers coach, like they really do have a chance to be the best, best group in the league um, and talking about how they want it. What's awesome, yeah, like you mentioned Carl Lawson. You look at last year, Quinn and Williams was elite from the defensive tackle position, you know, which like we've learned in the NFL that like the best position to have an elite player is at edge. Secondarily, you know, I say that it would be a defensive tackle. So we had an elite defensive tackle in Quinnen. And then I think that like Carl Lawson, he's like a, you know, 80th percentile player. You know, he's a starter. He's above average. He's very good. Um, but maybe he's not like that top 10, 5% elite pass rusher in the league. You know, for, for me to add, you know, to have Bryce Huff, who's proven, he also looked awesome in the preseason game and got a ton of pressures, wearing number 47 out there for anyone who doesn't know. Um, to have him and then to add two, you know, really like fast and, and elite pass rushers first rounders in Will McDonald and Jermaine Johnson. Like maybe they're not built to be every down lineman, but they are built to rush the pass, to come in on passing downs and get after the quarterback. They both have unreal get off. Like if you just look at Jermaine Johnson, he looks completely different than he did last year. You know, just really looks bulked up, really looks twitchy and, and has looked phenomenal. I mean, both of these guys, when you watch the game, just popped off the screen time and time again. Um, Will McDonald, his spin move. Normally you see a player do a spin move and you're like, you're the old man and you comes out and you're like, what are you doing? Like, just rush the path. Will McDonald's spin move is elite. And he's done it like 
he's done it at least like three or four times in the games. And I've seen some practice highlights. Like he knows what he's doing from that regard. Um, so to me, I think he is real. like, we're not going to rely on him all year to, to be, you know, out there every play, but he is just going to come in and rush the passer and be elite. And then I think Jermaine will play more, you know, on first and second down and has shown that he has that skill set. But I really think he also like, even like Steve Smith, the announcer was like, Oh, Will McDonald and Jermaine Johnson, like they're going to be good players. Like you can already tell by how well they're playing, you know? So that was really great to see. We absolutely destroyed the Panthers the entire game. That was like the main takeaway of the game was they couldn't do anything to, to block our defensive line, which is how we like it. Yep. Love it. And uh, Will McDonald, I, I was thinking about it. Will McDonald last night when I was watching hard knocks, you saw the spin move where he knows he's about to get the chip from the tight end. So he just avoids that side. Great spin move gets in and makes the play. Yep. Um, Will McDonald is going to be what I wanted Jacob Martin to be, but better, obviously, because he's yeah. high end talent. But like, instead of being like a free agent down, signing, wide nine, third down, you just go find the quarterback. Um, that is, you know, what he's brought in to do. He's not to me, you know, as he as he goes along in his NFL career, if he continues to build mass and become a little bit more of a three down player, that's fantastic. But if you have him just out there to specifically get to the quarterback, he has all the traits in the world and. And there was some concern out of the draft. You know, the big, I would say that's big 12, right? Big 12, big 10, big 12, we big here? 12, Iowa, Iowa State, big 12. I'm trying Gotta to get be big my, 12. Yeah, big 12. The, the story of the last like decade is big 12. You cannot draft defensive players out of there. There's they, they don't play defense. So when you hear the first round pick and you're like, okay, he's a super undersized guy. He's a freak athlete, but it's like, okay is he any good? Um, the, the, the raw talent that he has there, I mean, specifically in the pass rush ability is fantastic. And you're right. Jermaine, Jermaine's going to be one of those guys that just, you know, breakout second year. Like to me, yeah. you know, Will, Will got the hype in episode two and deservingly so because he's that rookie you're investing a lot of time in. Um, but Jermaine is going to be the one that consistently on a down by down basis is going to provide such a great value to this team. You know, it's funny with Huff now. I forget that we even talked about like a month ago. Like, is he going to be able to stay on the roster here? Like, this defensive line is so fucking deep, dude. Yeah, he's going to stay, though, definitely. They will get rid of of these guys. He's having those four guys, Carl Lawson, Jermaine Johnson, Will McDonald, Bryce Huff as your pass rushers. Like, you know, they have just been so successful. And then. Like this D-line really, I mean, we talked about it all offseason. We talked about how good they are, how good they've been the past few years. But it has felt like, you know, we're, we've we been good, but we really want that elite pass rusher who, you know, like like uh, Quinton Williams, like, disrupts games. That's what he showed last year. Like, he can do that. But that elite pass rusher, when it's a third down and you need to get off the field and they can just end the play before the quarterback can start it, you know, like that, there's a reason that that is, you know, along with quarterback and wide receiver, the highest paid position in the league, you know, and um, to see this come together, like to have Carl Lawson as just like a solid veteran guy and then add in these young, really high potential dudes um, to go along with our really solid D line or defensive tackles, you know, it, you, 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 they said it in, um, they were talking about it in hard knocks and Robert Sala. He's like, yeah, well, that's our baby. The D line is our baby, you know, and 
that is how they have presented it to fans over the past couple of years. And they've successfully, you know, really built up a talented group of like nine, 10 guys. Um, and I'm really excited. I, I, that is what drives a defense to be like, you talk about how defenses, it's not very sticky. Like, Oh, they were great last year. Are they going to be great again this year? It's not always like very easy to predict when you have a great D line and great cornerbacks. Like that is how it's easy to predict in my opinion, you know? So yep. I'm really excited for this D. It's, it's, you're very excited for that D. Um, they just, <laughs> the additions they made. God damn it. God Got damn it. <laughs> One note as well too, Lawson, hopefully is going to be back in practice next week, uh, dealing with a little bit of a back thing. But doesn't seem to be major. Seems at like all. Seems to me, no one right now. Seems to me the same <laughs> thing with ABT and Lake, and where they're just like, if we know you can play, let's just make sure you're there week one. Well, especially you know, uh, Robert Sala canceled the second Bucks practice that yeah. they were supposed to have. Yeah. You know, yeah. and and they the didn't second. end up having two against the Panthers either. Yes. What do you say? Yeah, yeah. They can't. No, no, no. Um, yeah, I got mixed up there. Yeah. And, and, you know, he said he he's worried about injuries and it getting chippy and fights on day two of, of that. Um, the fights, uh, the Jets were oh, had a lot of fights with their own team in Hard Knocks this week, which was hilarious to watch. I mean, clearly they just had like a day or two where there was just so many fights. Um, tensions were flaring and, and Robert Sala was eating it up, which was awesome. Loved he was, he was very it. much, um, you know, one I of the coaches comes it. up to him and he's like, yeah, we don't need to clear the benches every time. And Robert Sala's like, yeah, you do. yeah, yeah, you do. yeah, we do. You know, and I, I, everything I've seen out of Robert Sala, you know, from one jets drive and, and, uh, hard knocks that we've gotten, like, uh, it just more and more makes me believe he is the right man to handle these expectations and make sure these guys, you know, are focused and on the right track. So really especially for this defense and i mean obviously this offense as well the sky is the limit for this team if, if you know everything can come together very exciting i mean i just i'm looking at the depth chart right now so we talk about you know maybe second year back from the season ending injury loss and takes that big step back to where he was in cincinnati got your main coming on strong will mcdonald there as well too but then you know you add in Al woods out of free agency from seattle that big fucker next to quinnon is going to be an upgraded d tackle uh, Quentin, Quentin Jefferson, Jefferson coming off of the bench as well, too. You kept Solomon Thomas. You know, another year from Michael Clemens. John Franklin Myers is – Yeah, don't is, forget is, about Michael Clemens. Up. Like, dude. Yeah, where's dude. John – Dude, yeah, like John Franklin Myers is like the forgotten guy in all of this, you know? Like he's and he's still projected probably, a starting spot. <laughs> right. At edge, correct? I mean, what are you looking what at? What would here? you do? Uh, what would you do at this point? Would you, I, I, would you start him at edge in the run game? And then, I, honestly, so here's here's what I would say. We've talked start about it. Yeah, season. first and second down, keep him on the edge, move him inside on third down. But at some point, Jermaine's going to come calling for that other edge spot in yeah. the run in the run. That's scenarios. where I like as the season goes on. To be that rotation, and he is going to play both positions. But it has seemed like the goal was to get him more full time at D tackle, at least how that's kind of how I was interpreting things. Um, on first and second down, it feels like that is the smartest thing you can do, though, is keep him out there at edge. I mean, he's very, it's very great good. run stopper. And great why? Stopper. Why not? You know, and you're not gonna like these jet. This Jets coaching staff, they love their rotation. So I, I think it's one of those things that'll just kind of work itself out. But he'll play a lot of both. Hopefully, primarily, he'll play inside because we have like these up and coming edges. But at the same time, it's like 
you know, how often are you going to take Al Woods out? How often are you going to take Quentin Jefferson out? You know, like all these guys really do deserve time on the field. Michael Clemens deserves his reps as well. Like it, it's going to be a rotation. There's too much. You saw it. That was the beauty of the preseason game is like, it was like this backup defensive line is as good as any team's starting defensive line is what it felt like, you know? So it, it's an exciting time for us. It is. It, it's, it's, it's going to be scary out there. That Bill's offensive line week one. Woo. Oh, I have been thinking about that game more and more. Woo. We just absolutely need to just come out and win that goddamn game. Anything else from this week? 25 of, uh, days away. Anything else this week that you want to catch on? I think, I, 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 gotta say, I think we can I gotta say, say goodbye. One more time. I, I love Aaron Rodgers as a person. He's fucking hilarious. The conversation with the Panthers O-line coach. And I fucking love Nathaniel. What Hackett. a dick. He was... I it was hilarious. <laughs> oh, wait. Well, you you could go ahead, but you, you were saying the conversation. When, when Big Q, when Big Q is just like destroying the line, and then you've seen that that Hackett PI, that's my nickname for you. Just middle fingers in, just shoves out the middle <laughs> finger to Big Q. I just I love just the uh I love the characters that they are as well, too. Now they gotta back it up and, and get us some wins here, yeah. but I love the people that they are. I took, um, yeah, no, I do too. I took notes on, <laughs> as I watched things, I was taking notes and what I wrote about Nathaniel Hackett, as I learned who Nathaniel Hackett is, it makes more and more sense to me that he didn't succeed as a head coach, but it's, <laughs> but it's probably going to be an okay outfit. Like he, the way that he like jokes around with these guys and like the things that he says, it's like you, it, I do understand why those reports would come out last season. It would be like, what is he saying? Like, cause he's just like a weird fucking dude. And uh, it makes sense to me that like, maybe everyone didn't like jive with him, but you can tell when he doesn't need to be, you know, the guy he's just, he's just like a, he's an oddball, you know, like he has a very odd yeah. personality. So, so seeing the way things worked out in Denver it almost makes it make sense to me. It's like, yeah, maybe he didn't have that head coaching ability or maybe he didn't get the buy-in he needed from his players. But I have no doubt that here where he has the respect, where he has the history that, and he's, you know, just an offense coordinator, he's going to get that buy-in. You already know that I'm a big Russell Wilson, just like hater, but he's the the worst, the the pairing of the personalities between Nathaniel and Russell Wilson is like the worst of all time, especially yeah. when the ownership and management group brought in Russell Wilson. It was basically just like, here's your private office. Here's everything yep. you want in the world. Like they gave him a higher, you know, step in the organization Standing. than they did Nathaniel Hackett. So like, yep. of course it's going to not mesh well together there, but I love Nathaniel Hackett. I love Aaron Rodgers. I loved all of it. Um, what was I going to, there was one more thing I was going to add in with this, but I, it's slipping my mind. I just, I, I've loved all the content we've gotten. It's very exciting. Um, you know, we're a couple of weeks away from the regular season and I can't, can't fucking wait. Yep. What was I going to say? Yep. That's going to, that's going to piss me off that I can't remember. Anyways, maybe I'll remember before next week's episode. Save it for next week. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at NYJ underscore chasing 69. Same as the YouTube Teddy at Teddy Huncho. I'm at spring Blake. We got a lot of fun stuff. We're obviously going to keep going along with the preseason notes, the hard knocks, the one Jets drive. Um, but we also got to make sure, Teddy, we got to get in some betting conversations. We got to do season predictions. We got to bring in Let's the boys go. for an AFC East pod as well, too. So we got a lot to go over the next few weeks. So hopefully we got some good uh, good conversations coming along the way. 
Thank you all so much for listening. We appreciate you. We love you. And we'll talk to you next week. Peace.